Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Such teeth, dear, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Heath, baby. So welcome to this latest edition of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark and Matt Macklin. We are in the Canary Riverside again. The boxing crowd seems to descend on this place quite regularly. It was just a few yards away to my right-hand side that pretty much five weeks to the day we got the unexpected news that um, Her Majesty the Queen had passed away and then all of a sudden we started thinking about the card which was due to take place two days later and we realised that that probably wasn't going to happen which had a huge effect um, on the guest who joins us now Alicia Baumgartner WBC Super Featherweight Champion of the World thanks very much for coming what was that like for you first of all I mean it came from nowhere for all of us I mean we knew that the um her Majesty was getting on a little bit, but wow. I mean, it was it was some situation, wasn't it? Definitely. Um, you know, just being here in London while that was all going on and, you know, it going back and forth that the fight may be on, the, the fight may be off. Um, you know, I took everything in a positive light. So, you know, there was nothing I could do to complain or even dwell on. Um, I'm not the one to dwell on things. So I'm like, what can we do mm. just to, to move forward and... Um, bring positivity to that and that's exactly what we did we went back home and got right back in the gym obviously going back you've got the jet lag you've got to maybe come down because you're at peak fitness sharpness you you can't stay on that for five weeks now that we, we are here and we're a few days away from the fight do you feel that you're in even better shape now because the weight was just easier or, or, or how, how do you feel compared to how you were five weeks ago? Yeah, I would say I'm I'm um, in better shape even more now. Everything has improved in every area and every aspect of who I am as a fighter. And so I can only be grateful for the extra time. I definitely took advantage of each day. 
I'm never satisfied who I with what I with I with what I do in the gym, and so I'm always just wanting to be better. And that's exactly what we worked on. We worked on everything. In terms of sparring, I imagine you you were, you were fighting fit, obviously, five weeks ago. Did you kind of not have to do that much sparring, or did you did you go back heavy sparring? Oh, we went back to the heavy sparring for sure. Um, again, I didn't. I'm not taking this fight lightly. I'm taking my training very seriously. I want to know that I put all the work in when it came to training, and that's exactly what we did. We went back and um, we. I had great sparring, honestly. Um, the second go around. You're up against Michaela Mayer, obviously. Uh, it's a fantastic fight. And, and, and this card this weekend, there's plenty going on around the world. You know, Deontay Wilder's back, which is great, up against Robert Hellenius. You know, it's, it's, that's a good fight. Uh, we've got Cambosis against Haney for all the belts. Again, that's a good fight. But the two best fights are on this card. And I think people who follow boxing would, you know, would agree with that, which is tremendous. Where did this disagreement with Michaela Mayer come from? Because you, you both seem to just kind of naturally rub each other up the wrong way, which for our purposes is kind of is kind of perfect because you don't want it to be manufactured. But where did it, how did it all even start? Honestly, I would say um, when I became world champion, um, just her disrespect towards me, the, the way she discredited me on my come up, um, you know, we, we had to pay attention to that. You know, a world champion is a world champion. That's the, one of the biggest things you can ever, you could ever do to accomplish in boxing is to become a world champion. There's not a, there's not a light way or easy way to that. I worked very hard to get to where I'm at. And so I believe along the way, she just discredited me and just with some of her words and, um, you know, her, her, her character, it just showed through. And again, I'm here to show her that you have to respect everybody you step in the ring with. Terry Harper had a you know pretty strong name over here. She was world you know former world champion, and um, I mean that was a pretty spectacular knockout. That was a great shot that you caught her with. She was knocked out on her feet. Um, over here, you burst onto the scene with that win. But for the people that be listening to this that maybe aren't as familiar, just give us a bit of your background going into that fight. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, I started boxing at the age of eight. I started wrestling first, so. Wrestling prepared me for boxing, prepared me for, you know, a male-dominated sport. It prepared me to be in a combat sport and just the confidence to have as a woman um, coming into this game. And, you know, I've, I wanted the Olympic route. It wasn't my – it didn't happen the way I wanted to. But I said, you know what, I didn't have to win a gold medal or even medal to become a world champion. And that's what I set my mind on. And with my journey to turning pro and being where I'm at now, you know – I was selling tickets, um, you know, my first five, six fights, you know, selling tickets, um, paying for my opponents, getting very less money to even fight, sometimes not even getting paid at all. But I knew that my time was going to really pay off. And so I just had to keep working hard daily, every day in the gym. You know, I never took any days off because I could have got that call. And I had gotten that call. And when I got that call, I took advantage and jumped on it. I think that's inspirational to hear when someone backs themselves and, and it pays off. Um, obviously, that was a spectacular win against Terry Harper. Has has life changed for you since then? Life has changed just in a in a better way of self. You know, um, again, I thank God for giving me that moment and taking advantage of the opportunity. There's so much more for me to accomplish in this sport, in this life. Um, boxing is just a platform. This is just one thing that I'm that I'm great at and 
you know, a lot of people are just going to see more in depth of who Alicia Baumgartner is and her story and, you know, really sit down and listen to all the 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 trials and the journey and the process to get to where I got to. And I think more people will respect and it's not even about gaining their respect. It's just acknowledging one fighter and in their way to becoming undisputed at 130, which I set my mind on. It's interesting when you look at the whole kind of landscape, because this is a, a new era of, of women's pro boxing. It existed back in the day. We had Jane Couch. She was absolutely terrific, a, a groundbreaking pioneer. Christy Martin, um, Lucia Riker, fighters like that, Vonda Ward, you know, Ann Wolf. You know, you watch it, you watch um, Ann Wolf's knockout of Vonda Ward. It's just still one of the most savage things I've ever seen. So there were some brilliant fighters around then, but post London, because of the Olympics, it, we're in a new era. And a lot of the fighters who've got the attention have been Olympians. Clarissa's won two Olympic gold medals. Uh, Katie Taylor, Estelle Mosselli, um, Michaela Mayer went to the Olympics. But it's really important that, that you know, you didn't. Um, Amanda Serrano didn't. I was working with, with Hannah Rankin from the UK last week. She didn't. Jessica McCaskill didn't. You know, you, you lot who have come through the different route, that, that's key for me. Because it can't all be about you've got to go to the Olympics if you're going to make it. Absolutely. And you hit that on the button. I think that's so important to acknowledge and to shine light on because those girls will all speak for themselves to say, hey, my journey was just different. And we had to take fights, the whatever they gave us. You know, I don't have some say I don't have the best resume. I just fought who they gave me at that time. Like whatever we were able to make work, we made work. As long as I was getting a fight and moving forward in my career, that's all I was excited about. I knew the big times were going to come and that I was going to be ready for those opportunities. I just had to continue to train hard and stay in the gym literally every day. Do do, do you feel like Michaela Mayer thinks she's above you because she did go the Olympic route? Absolutely. I think, you know, that, that, um, that gives her confidence, and that's great. But you have to understand that when you get it out of the mud, when you are the underdog, when you are overlooked because of your resume, um, you, you should be very aware of what that person's hunger is. And my hunger is the same hunger that I had at a eight, as an eight-year-old girl walking into a gym, not knowing what I'm getting myself into, but knowing that I had a work ethic that my dad instilled in me to say, hey, you keep working hard, it's going to pay off. They're going to have to respect it sooner or later. And that's exactly what happened. I do find your background interesting. I read a, a Ring article about you uh, a few days ago, and you said you, you kind of got involved in wrestling when you were about five boxing when you're about eight and it's all with with males pretty much because that's just that's just how it how it was then and things are are changing now but that's that's the hard road isn't it and that's what what some female fighters have had to do Caroline Dubois was there today of course and she's got a great story about how she went to the boxing club and had to pretend she was a boy she pretended she was called Colin so that they would so that they would let her box I mean how uh, how important was that kind of how much more did it make you want it, basically, that you were, you, it, was, it wasn't, wasn't really expected of you? You know, it wasn't normal for, for girls to be doing this. Correct. It wasn't normal. And again, they, they see a pretty girl who's coming into the gym, like, who's that? Like, you know, I'm just there for fun. But I, I meant serious business every time I stepped in the gym. You know, I kept my head down. I worked hard when it was time to spar. Yeah, put me in with the guys. No, we don't want to spar a girl. No, put me in. And when I got in there and I showed them my skill set, they had nothing but respect for me at the end of the day. So when people see me, the people who really know me, who have seen me in the gym, seen my sparring, they know that that girl's 
going to be something one day. She's going to be a world champion. And um, look where we are now. You know, the, the win, we said earlier, the win over Terry Harper took your career to another level. Where do you, where do you think that a win on Saturday night against Michaela puts your career? Man, I got to take a deep breath with that because, <laughs> um, man, everything that I've imagined, everything I wrote down in my journal, everything I prayed about um, will happen for me. You just have to believe. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have that faith. And um, the sky is the limit. Everything that I want, I will get. Everything that I ask for, I will get because the hard work is paying off and they have nothing but to respect that. What was it about boxing then at, at the start? Because I speak to a lot of fighters who've newly turned over and quite often they'll say, I started out in team sports. He, he was the same. Um and after a while, it just got on my nerves that other people didn't want it as much as me, and I preferred an individual sport. But, but I mean, you kind of started in the individual sports from, from the beginning. So why, what, what, what about boxing just lured you in? And it's, it's like a drug, isn't it? You know, it yeah. is for me. I don't have to do it, but it's still this whole mad business is just like there's nothing like it. Honestly, I, I asked myself that question um, here and there, you know, why boxing? And, you know, I'll pray about it, and I'm like, why boxing? And I, I honestly believe that because boxing requires so much of self, you have to believe in self. You can have all the ability on the outside. I look like I have it all. But mentally, if I'm not there, I don't have nothing. If I don't have the belief system in myself, I have nothing. And so it, it comes down to self and believing in you, even through loss, even through trials, even through being overlooked, you still have to stick to your guns and be confident in who you are and why God created created me well it's easy believing yourself when everything's going well it's when things aren't working out that to maintain that self-belief and to still believe that things are going to turn out good for you in the end and that now is just a tough time and i've got to work twice as hard knuckle down that's that's the true test of character isn't it yeah absolutely absolutely what michaela you know like you fully believes she's going to win the fight she's totally confident uh, and you know i said People said one of the best fights. Well, the best fights are the ones where you can't pick a winner. You don't know who's going to win because you, you you speak to one girl or one lad and you, you come away from that interview and you think, oh, yeah, I think he's definitely going to do it. Or she's yeah, gonna, it's, it's a feeling, right? You know, because like, the confidence is infectious. Yeah. Um, you know, what what do you think it's going to come down to? What's going to be the difference between you and Michaela on the night? You know, you're going you're gonna to see the pedigree of a fighter. A lot of people have not seen me and that's because just due to my come up. But you're going to see a pedigree of just a skill set. I promise you, if you were in my last sparring camp, you would be like, are these two guys sparring? Like, I don't get complimented on a woman style. I fight, people would say I would fight like a guy because of my, just a, how good I am in the ring with my jab, my footwork, my defense. Like, these things have not been able to be broadcasted so much because styles make fights. And I think Michaela's the perfect fighter to really showcase the versatility that I have as a fighter. She throws a lot of punches. She's, she's got a high output. Do you think that's going to play into your hands? Yeah, absolutely. You know, anybody can be a pressure fighter and... One thing I know that trumps that is, one, you getting hit and you second-guessing to even think about coming in. You have to be respected when you're in the ring. You can't just come on my – you can't come up on my porch and think you can just throw tens and thousands of punches. Like, you're something's going to come hit you. And now you have to rethink for yourself. And, um, again, I'm not – 
I'm aware that Michaela's going to fight this way. But again, my my style of fighting come this fight, um, you'll see my adjustments and you'll see that I will be victorious and dominant in what I'm doing. Uh, just a quick one before we let you go. We don't want to, to make you late for training. You've got your open your boots there. I was covering a card last Friday for the UK's only female promoter and it was dominated by female fighters. There were some male fighters on there too, but they were kind of the supporting act. And I was talking to her about just boxing in general during the week and what needed to happen. And she, the way she describes it, she says, female boxing just needs to be normalised. Mm-hmm. Is that something, I've not heard anybody kind of describe it like that before. Is that, for you, is that what needs to happen? I would say so. It just needs so. to become normal. Yeah, and, and, and with that comes with having a woman on every card. You know, even on, on a big card, put a woman on there. Let some, let let the people see it. Let it be normalized. Like, oh, we're going to see a girl fight as well when we come to come come out to see fights. And I think that what that's what brings more eyes to the sport and you know just respect at the end of the day. Well, look, whatever. This is an historic event. This is the first all, all women's card, certainly here in the UK on Sky. I think maybe I don't know if it's in the world, but I think so. Um, you you're, you're the co-feature. It's ten years on from the London Olympics. How does that, that must make you feel proud. Yeah, it does. Um, again, the progression. I knew that I would be a part of women's boxing somehow, some way. My story will, you know, motivate, encourage some young girl out there, some young boy out there, and that and that's that's the real prize is to encourage someone because you never know what people are going through, and sometimes some people just need a little bit of motivation to get through the day. And if I can. I can help with that. That's that's what I'm here for. We all need role models. <laughs> Go on then. We're going to put you on the spot. What's your prediction? And, and we need a prediction for the main event as well. Yes, a prediction. We, do. we absolutely do. A prediction for my fight? Both. Your fight yeah, and the Yeah, so and the top my the prediction bill. is um, it's it's not going past seven. I believe that I will knock her out or the referee is going to stop it. Those are my, those are my predictions. Saturday, um, I see a stoppage. I see a stop. Hey, hey, kids. Hey, everybody. Sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health. Thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital podcast coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go. And what about the main event, Clarissa oh, Shields? Yeah, the main one? event is a stoppage. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One way or the who, other. Just, it's going to be a stoppage. And I don't make predictions because boxing is so unpredictable. I hate it. I don't even bet on boxing. But for some reason, prediction or um, stoppage for the main event sounds pretty doable for me. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to, to, to seeing those top two fights particularly, but, but the whole card. I very much appreciate you stopping by because fight week's busy. You've got a lot of demands on your time. Although I do need to reveal to the Macklin's Take audience that at the press event earlier on, Alicia did go full Chris Eubank Jr. and was eating mini burgers. <laughs> mini burgers. Oh, those fried like pickles were so good. Two or three days before, two days before the weigh-in. Unbelievable scenes. 
fried pickles, ice cream, like I'm all for it. <laughs> okay, well, thanks very much. We will let you go now. Thank um, you so much. It's great for you to come down. Best of luck on Saturday. Thank you. Now on the sidewalk, ooh, Sunday morning, so no sooner is Alicia Baumgartner vacated the seat opposite me than uh, Savannah Marshalls just slid in to have a chat. Alicia was on her way to training. Savannah, you've just, just you just finished. How yeah. are things? Is everything right with the world? Good, yeah, really good. I'm just I'm just grateful to be here. Um, what was it? Five weeks ago, when I was told that the show was off. Um, Actually, the day before, when the Queen passed away, my first thought was, if Clarissa goes back home, she's not coming back here, and I've lost this. That I've lost this fight with her. That was my first initial thought. And then I remember on the Friday, Mick come up to me on the morning and went, oh, she's agreed to come back in a month. And I thought, oh, thank God. So, look, big thanks to Sky and Boxer for getting it on five weeks later. In, in terms of training, obviously, I'm sure you were in great shape last time. But are you even even better shape, or is the weight a bit easier, or do you just feel a bit sharper now? You is even, or, you know, because sometimes things can drag out yeah, a little bit too. Yeah. You can go a bit stale. You've got to be careful not to overcook uh-huh. it, don't you? Well, I know I normally do about we're in the gym all the time, but when we've got a fight, probably about eight weeks is intense. But this time I've done like a twelve week camp, it's probably my longest ever. So I think I had a week off after the fight, and I think that's done me the world of good. With everything, my mental state, my, me, me sharpness, me weight, everything. Yeah, I think it's key that you know when you you have been in the gym for a long time, you don't want to get stale, do you? Mm-hmm. So having that week mm-hmm, off would have been mm-hmm. crucial. And did you just ease back into it then, or did you go straight back hard? No, it, well, what Peter said, Pete was like, "Well, look, you are already fresh, so you can't get no fitter." So it's just about maintaining sharpness. So I've just done all I sparred with sixes. I never done no eights, no tens. Uh, I had two weeks of training, so I'd done six, six, six spars, and yeah, I just maintaining that sharpness. I was going to ask you both actually. When when a fight gets delayed, I don't know if it happened to you or not, but I guess you need it to be delayed by four or five weeks, or like two or three weeks be no good because if it's that shortly afterwards, you've got to try and stay at that peak, and surely you can't stay at that peak. But with five weeks, you can have that week off. Does that make sense? Am I right or wrong about that? Yeah, yeah. No, with that, look, it, like we said before, football, you get fit pre-season and you just fit all season, aren't you? You're mm-hmm. playing twice mm-hmm. a week, you have a day off, you come back in with boxing, professional boxing in particular, you're literally peaking for that one night and, you know, you couldn't, you can't stay on a peak for five weeks, so you have to come down and then sort of build back up. So, yeah, like, you know, it sounds like you've done exactly the right thing, you know, yeah, even... Yeah. You, you fit. You don't need ten round spars. Mm-hmm. Short, fast, sharp. Just maintaining that sharpness is the key. And you know, weight's not. You said it's not a problem. Yeah. So mm-hmm. well, it all sounds good. It was really interesting what what you were just saying there. That you didn't think that she would come back. You I just didn't. thought that she would go back no. to the USA and she wouldn't come back. I mean, what 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 made you think that? Because I know she's got she's got a thing with MMA. Uh, with oh, that her, PFL. Uh, that d- yeah. yeah, and I think. Because the fight, this fight had been pushed back to September anyway. I think, hey, so I don't know what it was. The what me and I were supposed to box in July, and it got pushed to September, and she kicked up a massive fuss because she was meant to have a fight with a PFL then, and then it was like touch and go on the dates. And I thought, I don't know, something to do. With, I think she wants to be out twice with that MMA thing before the end of the year. 
So that that was my initial thought. I thought if she goes, she's not coming back. I'm not getting her back here. Do you think? Do you feel like she's only lost once, and that was you? Mm. You beat her. Mm. Do you feel? And, and sometimes someone, sometimes people just have your number. You know, she'll say she was 17, and she was, she was, mm-hmm. and she's improved and all. But you've improved too. And I think particularly the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Your confidence has really improved, which has been a massive part of your performance yeah. is improving. Mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing your pro debut out in Las yeah. Vegas on yeah. the board couple of, um, you know, and, the, and and I remember Adam telling me how, you know, because I didn't up until that point I wasn't, you know, I didn't really know, uh, but he was telling me, you know, how confidence was such a big thing for you. It seems from where we are on the outside looking in that you've really turned that corner. Do you think? Do you think that maybe you have just got her number? Maybe psychologically, you're in her head. I do. I do generally think I am. Yeah. And as much as she tries to mask it and be who she is, do you know she might be a lovely girl, but I only have to say the wrong thing or poke her. It's like poking the bear, and she'll just go from not one hundred. She can't. She can't control herself. And I've seen that in her fights. And that I think that's her downfall, and that will be her downfall. I do think you have, however it's, it's happened, you do have a natural ability almost to, to wind her up, or almost with anything that you say. And I don't think she'll necessarily have come across someone like you before, because you're kind of quite British in your relaxed sense of humour I don't think she entirely gets it I mean one thing you said at the press conference last time around which really made me laugh was, was when she said if I lose this fight I'll give you my Olympic gold medals I'll even give you my you know my, my quote necklace and you just said oh, I don't want that you yeah. know if you give me that I'll be taking it straight back to the shop how embarrassing is that and you could just see like it just I don't know there's a bit like Chris Eubank seemed to have the ability just to wind up Conor Ben you do seem to just have that that skill mm-hmm. well that's the thing with her I mean we had a little do in in Cardiff in in January and I mentioned I just off the off the cuff I just mentioned this this necklace she always wears and then what well, we're in September seven months later she's bringing the necklace up again I'm thinking you've sat for seven months and stewed that I've just you know said your uh, your necklace was horrific and that, like, we boxed 10 years ago, and she's still spewing that. About that She's still saying it was a robbery. Do you know what I mean? And I think, yeah, it was, I know what it was. It was an amateur fight. It was a long time ago. Yeah, she was 17, I was 20, I was still a kid. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. But look, it's got me in this position, and it winds her up something terrible. So every opportunity I get, I'm going to throw it in her face. Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. Yeah, as you say, it's it, it, mm. it's fact, it's history, it happened. Uh, you're right, you know, 10 years ago, it's you were different people and it doesn't really have any particular relevance um, to this to this fight. It, if you trace back to the start of your pro career, Matt mentioned it, to our great surprise, you you, you turned up in Las Vegas having turned pro with, with Floyd Mayweather. Mm. Um, you've, 
experienced quite a lot, haven't <laughs> you, have. in, in, in your professional career? Yeah. The evolution of Savannah Marshall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how did that, how was that experience? So I remember I'd just come back from Rio 2016 and I'd, I'd got beat again on in the quarter. So I just missed out on a medal and I was ready to wrap it in. I didn't want to do another cycle and it, boxing just didn't excite me anymore. It didn't make me happy. So I was about to wrap it in and anyway, I got a, a message off Sam Jones. Um, it was just breaking at the spot at the time and said, oh, uh, have, you thought, have you thought about turning pro? I was like, no, I'm not interested. He's like, well, Mayweather Promotions want to offer you a contract. So at the time, I remember thinking, wow, how can I turn that down? So this was it. I'd sold my car, sold a couple of my belongings and I was heading to Las Vegas to start my new life with a money team. Sold your car, what, to fund the airfare or, or...? Well, no, because I thought, well, I'm never coming back. I don't need that. <laughs> I'm, Floyd will buy me a Lambo. Did he? Did he help? <laughs> Didn't get out. Didn't even get a tracksuit. And, and looking back, how was that whole experience with the Mayweather promotions and, and how did it, why, why, how did it come to an end? So being out there and being... In, I was out there on my own. Lonely. And no, do you know what? <laughs> don't like people so I absolutely loved it I loved the lifestyle out there I loved it um you know I was I, I trained in the the Mayweather gym I was the only uh I was the only white girl there um but I loved it I, tr- I trained with a guy called Fareed Samad it was actually um I think he was I can't remember who was coach but it, it, he was uh, Alicia Baumgardner's coach, but he hasn't come out this this time, which was kind of weird. I would come full circle, but um, yeah, I loved it out there. But I learned quite early that how brutal professional boxing can be. Um, I didn't. I got I got paid pennies for my debut. Got emergency taxed. Never rent. No money. Um, I was pretty naive going out there. I remember thinking, right, well, I like that British belt, so I'll fight for that first. I'm not too keen on that Commonwealth, so I won't fight for that. But then I'll probably have a European. I like the WBA Intercontinental. And I learned quite quickly that it's not like that at all. And being out there on my own, I couldn't sell no tickets. Not at all. So when I was going to my manager saying, well, can I fight next month? Well, no, we'll have to see. So I ended up being out there for about six months, seven months, I trained for two fights that fell through right at the last minute. I'd earned no money. Um, and I just remember thinking, look, this this isn't what I thought it would be. Um, I thought I'd have sponsors here, there and everywhere. <laughs> didn't didn't have one. thought I'd be endorsed by Nike, Adidas, all this. Nothing. You were sold a dream that didn't quite happen. I was sold a dream. <laughs> I was. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't understand why you would think that because you've been on the GB squad for a long time. Exactly, I'd ev- been to everything Olympic games given twice, to um, mm-hmm. and yeah, the cold hard realities of of what is, as you say, a brutal sport, just as much outside of the ring as it as it is inside. They, 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 God, they come as a as a cold, sobering shock a lot of the time. So, so what happened then? Were you at that point thinking, right, this is it, and I, like, I really, I'm done now? No, no, no. So it just so happens that how I come into contact with Peter was, I remember messaging Sam before my debut saying, oh, look, Sam, I've got, I'm boxing in, I don't know what it was, seven weeks' time. And I was like, I've never ever trained with a professional coach. All I've known is my amateur gym in the GB squad. And he texts me back saying, well, look, I've got Joe Joyce Bar and Huey Fury and Bolt, and his dad said he'll be more than happy to you know, show you little bits and bobs. So at the time, I... I didn't know who Peter was, but I knew who Tyson was, and I knew who I knew that 
Peter was his uncle, so I remember going along and he'd he'd uh I sparred Tommy actually. I sparred Tommy and and he invited me back and went, Look, I'll train you for your full camp. So I knew Peter before I'd went to America and even then Every now and again, he'd go, oh, you just watch yourself out there because this boxing business, it's not what you think, you know. You just watch your back. And in my head, I was thinking, oh, you're just jealous because I'm moving to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> you're just jealous because I'm part of the money team. So anyway, when it never worked out and I'd come back, first per- I went to the only person who I trusted in the sport, and it was Peter. And I just said, oh, look, um, I want to come home. Will, will you train me? Will you have me back? I was like, yeah, of course I will. It seems to me, and again, just from the outside looking in, that he's played a big part in you believing in yourself mm-hmm. and I know myself when I probably got the best out of myself probably with Joe Gallagher as a bot and that was probably because when I, when I was training with Joe yeah he pushed my buttons he made me do things I didn't want to do and he got me in the, the eye of the tiger as he used to say but I think it was because I knew how obsessed and how much Joe wanted it when I knew he was happy and confident that made me happy and confident mm-hmm. and uh, him believing in me made me believe in myself which was the important part of me. Mm-hmm. Whether he believed in me or not was probably not as important, but me believing in myself, like you believing in yourself or any boxer believing in that is, is, is possibly the most important ingredient a fighter can have. So, But when he believed in you and known he'd been around Tyson and all the rest, I'm guessing that gave you a massive sense of, uh, a, a massive reason to really start believing in yourself because it did seem to us that early on that confidence was an issue for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, People ask me all the time, oh, what's, Peter, what, what's Peter's secret, what's he done? And I honestly couldn't tell you, but one of my old college tutors from when I was, a, when, when I was 16, he, um, he's a bit of a psychologist now, and a couple of months ago, we got chatting again and just catching up, and he went, oh, let me uh, like teach you a couple of techniques for you know, like sports psychology and stuff. So he's, he's chatting away, and he's telling me this, these techniques and stuff, and I, I sat there and I thought... But yeah, Peter's been doing that with me for about five years. And I thought, God, he's like been brainwashing me since I first started training with him. And subconsciously, I never knew. Do you like all these things to make me, well, you can say, get me more confident and get me believing myself. And and I think that's, in many ways, the most important thing for a coach with a fighter, a trainer. It's like you look at the old guys like Customato and Ray mm-hmm. Sal and these people, they weren't doing 15 rounds on no body belts. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they were mentors, you know, the famous quote with Custom Mike was sitting with Mike Tyson, he's crying before the Olympic trials and he's you know, he's saying, you know, how you're feel you're feeling the fear, but so's he. Mm-hmm. You know, the the coward and the hero both feel the fear, but it's what the hero does and what the coward doesn't do, which makes the hero the hero and the coward the coward. But it's that psychological, that emotional uh, support that I think that's what real managerial coaching is about you know mm-hmm. but it's not it's not about the 12 15 rounds on the pa- anyone can say do six rounds in the bags go get on that track and do 400 meters whatever that's that's you know that's maybe getting you ready getting physical but the the, re- the real teachers it, it's more the psychological and the emotional part yeah, of it definitely and I, I think that was that was one of the things that i really liked about peter that nothing was ever a problem like say if i went to women said oh um, look, I'm worried about this, this, and this, and he'd have an answer like that straight away. Um, do you know what wouldn't always be? Do you know, for instance, if I was sparring, I'd say, "Oh, Peter, my ch- chest's a bit tight." He was like, "Well, what's that got to do with anything with your arms? Got nothing to do with your arms? Go on, get off there. Go on, get back in." Do you know what I mean? But he had a, he has an answer for everything, a solution for everything, and I think that that really helped me. 
one thing that people picked up on after you'd been together a little while was the kind of you know you just seemed a bit looser uh, you're making great use of the, the the height and the reach you've got and you had that kind of nice relaxed rhythm did he what was it like in the early stages do you do you feel like he brought out the style in you that was always there or was he teaching you new things Oh, it was horrific. I remember one of the first couple of weeks with him, he had me in the ring and he was like, the first thing he said to me was, I was your typical international amateur boxer, hands up round the temples, forwards and backwards in straight lines. And he first one of the first things he said was, right, drop your hands on the pads. And I was like, I can't do that. Well, drop your hands. I was like, well, I'll get punched in the face. He was like, well, move your head. So that was that. And he had me hours upon hours of just in the mirror doing these little footwork drills. And I remember looking in the mirror, I'll never forget this, looking and just thinking to myself, you are crap. You are going to get knocked out. That's what I remember looking in the mirror. And then I'd always think back, yeah, but he's the only person willing to help me. I've got this debut and no one else has reached out to help me, so just do what he's saying. Just do what he's saying. And, um, yeah. And, and trust him, I suppose. You've got to learn trust to trust. Trust him, mm-hmm. yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. Because when you're changing style, you feel shit, don't you? Mm-hmm. You do. Because you're thinking, oh, you, you feel shit, it's not working, Don't mm. feel, you feel really uncomfortable. But in order to, to change, you have to go through the, the process. You know, change is painful, isn't mm-hmm, it? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you've got to give time time. Um, but look, the fact that you did trust him and you, you stuck to it, you know, the proof yeah, is in the pudding, yeah. isn't it? And, and the results have paid off. And it's never ending. I remember after I beat Hannah Rankin for the world title, I remember being back in the gym and he was like, right, I'm going to teach you this now. And I remember thinking, God, I'm a world champion. Surely, you know, there's nothing else to learn. And again, every camp is just totally different. Um, got Getting me boxing on the front foot, getting me boxing on the back foot, getting me boxing like a little crab. It, it, it's always changing. Southpaw, orthodox, switching here, doing this. And there's been times when... I've had a bit of a breakdown and, and being like, look, you're telling me to do this when, when this is working for me. Why would I change? He was like, because you're a pawn. So I'll be constantly looking, thinking, right, well, she does this. She can't fight on the inside. Or, you know, she can't, you know, box southpaw. So you've got to have everything in your armory. It, it might sound like a slightly odd question, but how, how much do you enjoy being a, a pro boxer? Because with, with professional athletes and not just people who are in sport, but who are in high-profile, audience-facing jobs, if you like, whether it's music, film, whatever it is. A lot of them say when they get towards the end of their career, they just they say, I wish I'd enjoyed it more because at the time I just felt the pressure, I just felt the expectation, I didn't stop and enjoy the moment. How are you at that? Are you, are you able to do that? Well, it was ever since I turned pro, it all changed. Like I said, I felt the pressure tremendously when I was, a, when I was, um, when I was an amateur. I... I Towards the back end of my amateur career, I didn't enjoy it at all. I hated it. It was like I was getting, I was on top funding by um, top lottery funding. It was like a job. Um, and when I turned pro, I've always had the mindset of, well, I'm not even. I was never meant to be here. I never had no ambition to turn pro. This is all just a bonus for me. Um, and like I said, being in a position where. Do you know, I, I thought I was set for life joining the money team. I thought, do you know, this is it. I'll never have to work a day, work a day in my life. And then 
to coming back to England, to having to sell tickets, to begging promoters to get me on their bills, to finally getting with a promoter and thinking, yeah, I'm here now, and then getting overlooked by every other female in the stable. So I have, I have had, a, I had it really hard, really hard. And con- yeah, I'm a two-time Olympian. And before I turned pro, I'd never think, and I would have never have thought it would have been this hard. The program. I mean, you've, you've achieved so much there. Two Olympics, you know, world champion as well. Uh, topped the bill in Newcastle. We did that one, and but this will this will take your career, your mm. profile, your achievement to another level, won't it? Yeah, it will. Uh, yeah, definitely. But like I said, through all these years of hardships thinking oh I want to top the bill or oh, I want uh, do you know I want a headline I, I want to be known I want to be known for being a brilliant boxer and now it's finally happening I'm, I'm, I'm in touch and different distance and what is it about now just staying relaxed maintaining focus but not overthinking it and just trying to mm-hmm. yeah. definitely I think that you can you can overthink anything I mean when the fight got pulled last time, I remember Peter saying, oh, don't you don't even watch anything of her. You know, nothing's going to change and you're only going to overthink it. And, he, and he's right. You know, she's not going to change in five weeks. She hasn't changed in ten years. You know, so it it is what it is and I'm excited. I'm really excited. I've waited an extra five weeks and it's here. What? When you watch it now and you, you look at her last couple of fights... And you, you obviously remember back to when you fought her. What, what are the, what are the main things that she's sort of changed, or what, what's the main improvements, adjustments she's made? Look, I think, I think Clarissa's brilliant. I think she's a really, really good boxer. But the higher divisions are really weak, really, really weak, and she's never had to change. In my opinion, she still boxes the same as what she did when she was 17, 18. And that's been been enough for her? That's been enough. And I I don't blame her enough for changing. It's worked all these years. If anything, she's a lot more mature and she's a lot more stronger, a lot more grown into the weight. But she still boxes exactly the same. Um, Even as a pro, you can see it. The best Clarissa you see is in the first couple of rounds and then she dies of death. She still boxes as an amateur. Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. And do you think that's going to be where you take over second half? I do, yeah. I really do. Um, like I said, the, the, the best Clarissa you'll, you'll see is in the first couple of rounds. There's a lot of attention on this card because it's an all-female card and... Where do you feel the, the the sport is female pro boxing um, at at the moment? Because we we've been covering female boxing amateur and pro for ages, and you know it's just to the point where you don't even think about it. You know it's just it's irrelevant who's in the ring. Identity, 
background, what they look like, anything. It's just boxing. The conversations outside the ring do have to be different, though, because you've got to, you've got to, females and males are not treated the same in mm-hmm, terms of mm-hmm, the financial mm-hmm. rewards and lots of other things as well. So that has to still be has to still be pushed. I mean, where do you where do you feel like we are? Um, I do think, especially with with me and Clarissa headlining, this fight has been made massive due to the fact that I'm British, she's American, um, she's gobby, I'm quite reserved. Um, if I was Chinese and she was Australian, no one would be interested. Um, all the belts are on the line. And coming off the massive push what female sport has had in the past couple of months, we're riding on this massive wave. So it couldn't have came at a better time for female sport, especially female boxing. I'm, I'm just glancing over Andy's shoulder there and on television you've got uh, Michaela Meyer sitting down with uh, Anna Woolhouse there doing an in-depth chat before that there was clips of you on it uh, in your last fight and I'm just thinking this is like you know it's on ESPN in America it's getting smashed out of the park on Sky yeah, TV no, no. like you know you you win on Saturday night I do believe that your, your life's going to change it's going to mm-hmm. go to a complete mm-hmm. different level are you prepared for that? Well, they were saying that we're getting, although it's not pay-per-view, we're getting the pay-per-view treatment. So, it doesn't get much better. Well, you were, you were prepared for, for, for your life changing when you, went, when you went to Las Vegas, so you've kind of imagined this exactly. in your mind's eye years ago, exactly. didn't you? It just took a while to get there. So, you'll see me next week and I'll have that Lambo. <laughs> but I'd have bought it myself, not waiting for Floyd. You, you mentioned the, the difference in the different characters, the different players involved on Saturday. And I do think that's really... That's really adding to it because mm. you and her are really different. Uh, Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgartner, they've got this kind of natural friction between the two of them as well, which is very like yours. She just seems to have an ability to wind up Michaela Mayer in the, in the way that you seem to be able to wind up Clarissa. Uh, Katie Taylor's her own kind of person. It, it's really important to have different characters, different personalities from different parts of the world because everybody likes to have their person, don't they? When, when, you know, when we're all kids obsessing with sport at some point and you have your person and it's usually the one you can most closely identify with so it's really good to have that that you know that array of of personalities I think yeah definitely definitely um like you said there there's there's every there's loads of different people personalities on this card um even that core main event that could have been a headliner in itself so it's brilliant that the whole card is, is, is massive for female boxing. Out of the undercard, you've got Lauren Price, you've got Karis, you've got Caroline Dubois. I, I'm, I'm assuming you've followed their careers a little mm-hmm. bit. Is, who stands out for you out of all them? Um, so I've known Lauren a long time. Lauren, I'm getting this in there before she does. Uh, Lauren actually beat me as an amateur. Did you? La- Lauren beat me, yeah. Um, and she boxed at 75 kilo. And for the fact that she's come right down to... What is she like sixty six? Sixty seven miles away, like I think, that. yeah. Um she's carried that speed. That's what she had in the amateurs. So I I, I really like Lauren and I, she's a really, really nice girl. So I'd love to see Lauren do well. what do you make of the uh, of the hookup now with with the G B coaches as as pros? Because I found that really interesting because I firstly I didn't think it was something they'd do because I didn't think that G B boxing would kind of entertain their coaches working on the amateurs and also on professionals. or And I didn't think they would entertain the idea of 
professionals going back to boxing the Olympics. I think that's quite hard, isn't it? For the, I think it's quite a big ask for the coaches to be coaching the amateur style, which is still really different, and coaching pros. I think that's just because they want to. But I, I don't think that's right. I think the, the funding is for amateur boxing, not not for professional boxing. Um, and I think it all started with AJ training um, at the Institute of Sport. That's where it all stemmed from. But no, I think it should be kept amateur and pro. I think it should be kept uh, separate. I know that some of their purses are going into are going straight back into the system. That that's one way that they're uh, that they're making it work. And just just while we're we're talking kind of GB, um, you know, I I love the amateurs. I've covered a lot of the amateurs, and it looks like there is a real danger that yeah, boxing will that. not be in the Olympics yeah. in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. It's a very, very real. I've been mm-hmm. following it closely. And unless drastic te- steps are taken, it's not going to happen. And once you get thrown out of something, getting back in is really, really difficult. I know that you didn't enjoy every single day of your amateur career, but it, it would have an enormous effect on the sport, wouldn't it, if boxing's not in the Olympics? Yeah, it would, because that's what everyone strives for, an Olympic gold medal. And... It, boxing's one of them spots where it's not left to it's not like a goal system or a point system or something like that you've got judges and it's the way the scoring's changed so I remember when I first started when I got on first got on the international scene at 17 it was like a punch for a point so that yeah, was a lot easier yeah. computer scoring yeah yeah, yeah that was so like that w- yeah was that when you when I was boxing international it was computer scoring yeah, yeah. So that was a lot easier, whereas now they've changed it to like the pros, like 10-9, uh, 10-8 round. Yeah, they changed, it, changed con- it just yeah. before the Men's World Championships mm-hmm. in 2013 to the 10-point must. And I think that's what's yeah. ruined it, because you've got three rounds. And, you know... I think it's a very flawed system, because, you know, if... If we box and you beat, you win the first two rounds, but it's skinnier teeth, like mm. it's really close, but, you know, the judges mm-hmm. go your way mm-hmm. twice. And then I come out and smash you pillar to post in the third round, but I don't score a knockdown, but I've absolutely leathered you. Anyone watching that fight think he's won that fight because I've had the better of it. But on the scoring system, you've won rounds one and two, yeah. so you win the fight. Well, actually, to be fair to the to the amateur system, their, their scoring system, you don't have to score a knockdown to get a 10-8. It's just interpreting dominance, yeah. so it's 10-9, 10-8 or 10-7. And you do see a lot of a lot of 10 8s. The, the, the main problem really but has been the eight, competency of the people judging the fights. That's been, but even that's a 10 8 round wouldn't reflect that, would it? You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the scoring system in, in boxing generally is, is you know, it's, it's, it's a problem, isn't it? But I just wanted to, to, to raise that because we've not really talked about it yet. We'll do an episode on it because it's this iceberg that, that we're heading straight for and everybody just seems to think, oh, well, it'll be all right on the night. It won't happen. We'll pull it out of the bag at the last minute. And at the moment, that is just not what is going to happen. Um, and I would hate to see boxing taken out of the Olympics. It would it'd be absolutely terrible. Um, but anyway, I've, I've segued, went off on a tangent there. So we won't keep you much longer. I mean, how do you find fight week? You know, you, you, you're lovely and relaxed now. You, you've got to make weight, but I, I'm guessing it's not a massive issue. It's not something that's really um, playing on your mind too much. But there's so much time to fill in these weeks. Um, uh, you've got the great good fortune of filling some of it with us here, obviously. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there is, isn't there? There's a hell of a lot of time to kill. And I'm always curious about, you know, I, I just think about if I were a boxer, I, I would just... It's so easy to obsess about it, surely. 24 hours a day. Well, you say that, but it it, it flies. It absolutely flies. Like, 
we were at that media thing for what, like three, four hours today. Come back, you've bad food, you've trained, and what we're looking at nine o'clock. And then before you know it, you, you've got press conference day, that's over, you've got the weigh-in over, and before you know it, it'll be Sunday, and then it's gone. I always used to think fight week, even though in some ways you're more hungry because you're really cutting back. In other ways, it's easiest because, you know, it's so close, you can't afford not to, to, to have a cheat or to cheat on it. Where if you're sort of four weeks out, you think, well, I could yeah, probably exactly. get away with it in that and I'd do a run in the morning. But yeah. at least fight week, you think, well, I, I can't cheat yeah. now because I can't get it off. <laughs> okay, just to just to, just to to wrap things up then, let's have a... Um, it's always a bit pointless asking fighters for predictions in their own fights, but it's just, you just sort of have to do it. So let's have one for your fight, but let's have one for Michaela Mayer, Alicia Baumgartner as well. I think that um, I think we've seen that uh, Alicia can whack. She's got that explosive power. Um, I was just I was watching uh, photos earlier, and she's you know, she's in some shape. She's honestly she's in really good shape. So I think if if Alicia can catch her early and knock her out, I think that's the only way she's going to win. Um, I think as it goes into the second half, I think Michaela, if it goes the distance, Michaela on points. And I think she's at risk of getting stopped by Michaela in the second half. That's what I think. I think that um, from what I've seen in her last performance, I think she can get outboxed by Michaela and the only chance she's got is is um, catching Michaela early. And yours? Um, I think that once I guess past the first three or four rounds, I think I'll start to open up on Clarissa. I think it'll be mine. Like I said it previous, the best Clarissa you'll see is early on. Um, and once I get past them flurries, once I've found my distance, I've got her. Okay, well, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, it's been an absolute treat. This we've been trying to, we're thinking about getting you on for for ages, and then COVID came and all sorts of other stuff happened, and we went on a break. And it's it's great to sit down with you finally. Best of luck on on Saturday. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow actually with another one, maybe even one on Saturday or Sunday as well. It's it's a target rich environment this for us this week because the hotels are near where I live, so even though I'm not really working on the fight, I can kind of come to the press events kind of lurk ready to pounce on willing podcast victims which uh, I, I must admit is something I'm particularly good at anyway um, we'll have more for you during the course of the week in the meantime everybody take it easy yes that line falls on the right babe not that Mackie's back in Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.